Palm Sunday is the start of the Holy Week, right? It's the start of Holy Week. Um, how many people know a lot of things can happen in one week? A week, a lot of things can happen in one week. Um, for those of you who follow sports, in one week, some teams that were favored to win the championship are eliminated from the playoffs. Amen. There's no amen. Okay. All right. Other teams that, you know, they, they, they were supposed to not do good, they, 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 they're on top, like the Miami Heat. Amen. Amen. Um, Hollywood, superstar, right? Supposed to be, uh, we would call Hollywood's darling, uh, favorite son, banned for 10 years, one week, one week. You guys heard that, right? Yeah, they banned um, the actor that slapped the other actor. They banned him for 10 years um, from the Oscars. And so I'm not naming names because I don't want to get in trouble today. Enough trouble. Uh, for those of you who are college students, one week, finals week. Amen. A lot can happen in one week. Finals week, make or break your semester. I remember one time, I was, I was studying, and, and back then, I had good reasons, because we have a prayer group in school, and we were praying a lot, so we're praying more than we were studying, right? Back then, I believed the Holy Spirit would give me the answers. After a couple of exams, I realized the Holy Spirit wasn't doing that. <laughs> so final exam, I think I needed 90% to pass the class. I passed the class, amen. amen. Final. A lot of things can happen in, in, in one week. We don't realize, but if you read the book of John, and we're going to spend the next few weeks in the book of John. We're starting with the end. As you know, we are in our series, The Truth on Trial, where we're going over the trial of Jesus Christ. Um, but we don't realize when you read the book of John from chapter 12, which is Palm Sunday, to chapter 21, it's, it's one week. It's one week. A lot of things happen in one week. And that week in particular is the most consequential week in human history. There is no other week in human history that has as much consequence as this week. Um, so please open your Bibles with me in John chapter 18, and we're going to start from verse 39 to verse 16. Um, so the trials of Jesus, we know that Jesus had went through six trials, right? He started with um, Annas, and so Pastor Perry kicked us off with Annas and Caiaphas, which are the, um, the Jewish leaders. So it was religious trials. And then he went, Jesus went in front of the Sanhedrin, the council. So those were Jewish trials. But then he got transferred into the Roman court because they wanted Jesus to die, right? And so in the Jewish court, they accused Jesus of blasphemy because he called himself the son of God. Um, and I'm saying it's not blasphemy if it's true. And we can see in Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, but in the Roman court, they don't have blasphemy as a capital punishment. So they changed the, they changed the, the, the charges against Jesus into sedition, saying that Jesus made himself king. So and in the Roman Empire, there could be only one king, which is Caesar, so that Jesus would want to overthrow Caesar. And so you know there's a problem when you go from one court to the other and they change your charges. 
And so now we come to the point where Jesus is in front of, of Pilate. And he's going to be in front of Pilate. And then Pilate sees Jesus and he finds no basis. He doesn't see Jesus as a threat to the Roman Empire. He doesn't want to deal with that, right? And then he sends Jesus, and Luke tells us, to another king, which is Herod. King Herod. Uh, and Herod, he's like a lot of us, right? Where Herod, he's the, the, the ruler, the governor for the region of Galilee where Jesus was operating. And he's happy to see Jesus. When Jesus comes, Herod is happy. You know why he's happy? Because he wants to see a trick. Because he heard that Jesus made miracles and he's hoping that Jesus is going to make miracles. He's, he's hoping, kind of like when you go to, a, to, a, to a, let's say, a ma magic show when they take the rabbit out of the hat. There, he's hoping that Jesus is going to do a pony trick for him. How many people know Jesus didn't come to make tricks? Jesus didn't come to entertain us. But unfortunately, we live in a Herod generation, right? Where we have a generation that wants to come and be entertained. We have a generation that come and wants to see tricks. But Jesus didn't come for tricks. Jesus came for truth. And actually, at verse 38, he says to, um, to Pilate, he says, I was born to testify of the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? This is an irony because right in front of him stands the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. How many people know the truth could be standing right in front of you and you don't see it? And you don't see it and you don't catch it. And that's what makes the difference between two people. Some people catch the truth and other people the truth goes whoop. So that's where we pick up the story in verse 39. After Pilate says, I find no basis to charge this man. He says, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus, had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, hail king of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis to charge for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He, he, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, 
Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat a place at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabata. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. But We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. So in all our lives, we have critical choices that we have to make. Um, the, the, the critical choice that you have to make in your life, which career that you're going to take in, in, um, in college, critical choice, uh, which person you're going to marry is a critical choice. But there is no more critical choice as the choice of what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. This is the single most consequential choice that we have to take in our lives. And so the first we see the people, they had a critical choice. If we go back to, to verse um, 39, he says, But it is your custom for me to release you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. So the first, they, they have a choice between Jesus, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, the man who walked on water, the man who healed the sick, the man who, who showed compassion to the adulterous woman, or they have the choice of Barabbas. Now, a little language course, Barabbas means son of a father, right? Bar in um, Aramaic means son, and Abbas, and you might know that from the song that we sing, it says Abba father, which means father, right? So the name of that individual means the son of a father. So now you have a situation where you have a guy called the son of a father being put against the son of God the father, right? You have the one that was in an uprising, that means he's trying to do a revolution versus the one that's submitting himself to the will of God. And what Luke tells us, if we jump in the book of Luke real quick, uh, Luke 23, verse 18 to 19, um, in, of the same account, he says, But the whole crowd shouted away with this man, Release Barabbas to us. And then Luke gives us more explanation. It says, Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. So it's not only that he was in charge of an uprising, that he was like, let's say, protesting. He was also a murderer. He killed somebody, right? So now you have the son of a father versus the only begotten son of God. You have a rebel versus the redeemer. You have a murderer 
because he killed somebody versus the deliverer, the one who gives life. Jesus brought people back from the dead while um, Barabbas sent people into their death. Um, so you have a criminal. Yeah, they have a choice of a criminal or they have a choice of the eternal Lamb of God. And guess what they chose? They chose a criminal. They chose a criminal. And before we point fingers at them, I want you to understand that all the different characters in this story, we are them. We are them. Their sin was that they put their own desire above the word of God. They put their own desire above the will of God. And what they wanted to see, they wanted to Jesus dead. It didn't matter who else was set free. They wanted to see Jesus dead. And so they put their personal preference over Christ. But you know, sometimes you make decisions and they look this small, but they lead to worse consequences, right? Um, the guy that they set free was Barabbas, and he was in charge of an uprising. And that was the year probably 30, 33-ish. What would happen to Jerusalem in the year 70 is Jerusalem would be destroyed because they would keep having uprising and uprising and uprising until the Romans said, all right, enough. And they sent the troops and they destroyed Jerusalem and deported the Jews. And the Jews stayed out of their land for 2,000 years. That seed of uprising that they, they let somebody that was in charge of an uprising, they let him go free and they crucified the innocent. You can have a little sin where we, we all make critical choices in our lives and they start like small. They start like small, but if they go unchecked, they grow and they, come, they, be, they cause destruction. There's a song, Casting Crown song, that says it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade. It's, it's a black and white becomes gray. When you start making compromise, it's a slow fade. And it, it, it's like step by step. And before you know it, that little compromise that you made comes and blows in your face. And here, the people of God, rather than to recognize the, the call of God, rather than to recognize the, the Messiah that they had been waiting for for 4,000 years, or waiting for the Messiah, rather than to recognize him, they crucified him. They crucified him and then in 70 AD paid the consequence. But I don't want us to judge other people because this is us. How many times in our lives we make the wrong choice? We, we, we choose our preference over the word of God. We know what the word of God says, but we choose our preference over the word of God. And later on, boom, it comes to bite us. It comes to bite us. It's critical choice. And this critical choice from the leaders leads us to, so they choose Barabbas, right? And Pilate says, okay, let me give them something. Let me, let, let, let me give them something, right? And then it, it comes to, it says, the text says that he then flogged Jesus. And then they put a crown of thorns. And now we have something, we have cruelty that is on display. We see the cruelty of the Roman Empire on display, right? So they would flog you. And if you go to the next, next slide, please. You will see the flogging of Jesus is what, what you see here is what they, ca they call a cat of nine tails, right? It would, it would, it's, a, it's a whip 
that has nine lashes of, of leather. Now, if you're Haitian, um, you know what it is to be whooped by different stuff, right? Amen. If your parents, depending on how um, long your parents have been in the country for some people, right? So if you're the firstborn and your parents just came from Haiti, you got everything, right? You got the sense, you got the belt, you know, the nice leather belt, but then the belt is not available. What you get, you get the electric wire, if the electric wire is available. If you don't, it's not the electric wire, it's the hanger. You got the hanger, you got everything. Amen. Amen. I remember me, uh, 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 it, it wasn't that bad, but my dad had a nice, nice leather belt. It was nice. It was good times. Amen. Nice, nice times. Huh? Yeah, Martinet. Well, we didn't know Martinet. We didn't know he was. You know, my parents were more Canadianized. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And, and, and by the time now kid number four comes, kid number five, they don't get nothing. Right? Because now your parents are sophisticated. They're more Americanized. They don't get nothing. Amen. But I can tell you, none of us, at least I don't think, we got, and you can't see because the image is small, but at the end, there are pieces of metal. So every lash, you get hit nine times because there's nine different. And then it's metal, so it goes in your skin. And the flog was 40 hits, right? So if you do the math, nine times 40 is 360. So by the time, and in the middle, that, that image, that's after six lashes. That's just six lashes in the middle. By the time you get to lash 40, the whole back is red. It's all gone. It's all, the whole back is there. That's the cruelty that he had to go to. And then they did a, a crown of thorns. Now, when you consider a crown of thorns, us that we live in the city, Oh, we have a hard time understanding what those thorns would be, right? We, we, we think maybe as a rose and as little thorns that are this big, but that's not what Jesus would have went through. The thorns, if you could see the image, they're like inches long. They're inches long, and they're strong, and they're thick, and they're put into his head, right? And, and, um, and the scalp is, is very, um, has a lot of capillaries, a lot of blood vessels in the scalp. Right. So now it's going in the scalp and now the blood is coming out. And then he says and then the text says that they slapped him. Right. And when when, when they're slapping him, it, it, it's um, they're hitting him. And so they could be hitting also the crown of thorns. So every time he gets hit in that area, then the, the thorns, they go deeper. So so we spoke about the the slap that was they call it the slap that was heard across the world. But these slaps, they were heard across the universe. They were, they were heard across time and space. Because you ask yourself, why would the perfect son of God accept to go through such cruelty? Why would he accept to, to be put under that kind of, 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 of damage? Damage, that you, you can't understand. Because understand that... He's not incapable of doing something, right? So at the moment that the slap is hits, right, you can imagine the, the, the hordes of, of hell, the hordes of hell, the demons, they're celebrating, right? They're like, yes, oh, and they're high-fiving each other, and they're having so much, wow. But on the other side, the angels of gods are watching, right? The angels of gods, they're watching, and 
you, you know they're watching because all throughout Jesus's life, the angels of God have been present. When, when, when Jesus was, was about to be born, the angel appeared to a young lady in Nazareth and told, and told the young lady, Mary, don't be afraid you found favor. He's coming. He is coming. The one you guys have been waiting for, he's coming. And, and then when, when he was born and Herod was trying to, to kill him, he said, all right, they came and they gave him a head start, right? They told the, the, the Magi's, don't go back to Jerusalem. Go to another way so that the Son of God can get out the way. And then Jesus went to Egypt and, um, and stayed in Egypt while there was danger, right? And then when the danger was gone, they came back and they told him, you can come back. When Jesus was being tempted in the desert, um, when Jesus was being tempted in the desert by the devil, after he succeeded to defeat the devil in his temptation, the Bible says the angels came and served him. All throughout his life, the angels were present and they were active. So you can bet that at that moment, they're, they're watching and they're at a, at a moment they're ready to act. And you don't even need a legion of angels. You just need one. You just need one, he could take care of the whole Roman Empire. If you read the book of Revelation, you'll see uh, the Bible says, um, and then one powerful angel came out, and a quarter of the earth had famine, and a, a war was on the end. You see, the angels are so powerful. And so I can imagine the, the angel Michael calling the other, the, the, the legions of, of angels, saying, okay, guys, ready your weapons. And they're ready to go. And Jesus goes and says, no, pose, Monsieur pose, chill, relax. I got this. So, okay, well, what, what, what are you doing? We can't let that happen. He says, yes, I got to do this. Because Jesus' critical choice was whether to protect himself or to cancel the curse. And so that cruelty on display was because Jesus was canceling the curse. If we jump back to the original sin, back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19, Jesus, uh, God said to, to Adam, says, Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat the food from it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your bow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. It says, verse, so verse 18, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and by the sweat of your bow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. When Jesus was in the garden, the Bible says he was sweating so profusely that the sweat came out as blood. So now, our labor as human is, is to sweat. So Jesus' labor to save us now, he was sweating beyond even our sweat. And then it says, the, the ground will produce thorns for you. But guess what? Jesus took those thorns in the crown of thorns. And if we jump to Joshua, Joshua chapter 23, verse 12 and 13 when Joshua, so they conquered the promised land that God was giving them. And now Joshua is old. Joshua is about to go. And he gives them a warning. And he says, but if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, 
They will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which is which the Lord your God has given you. In the land that God gave to the Jews, to the Hebrews, there were other nations there. And when Abraham came, Abraham said, I'm going to give you this land, but not yet. I'm going to give you this land, but in 400 years, he said, because their sin is not up to where it's going to be. And guess what? When their sin got to where it becomes, it had to be, then he allowed his people to go and take over the land. But then he told them, if you do what they were doing, then you're going to get what they got. You're going to be punished the way they were punished. And guess what? Over the book of Judges, the book of Kings, first, they did what they were not supposed to do. And they got, they got hit. They got hit by the Assyrians. They got hit by the Babylonians. They got hit. They got hit bad. You ever did some, your parents warned you, and then you did it anyway, and then you got papa? Amen? Kids, that ever happened to you? No? Watch out, it's going to happen tonight. No, it's not going to happen. But God warned them. He says, if you disobey, you will get whips and you will get thorns. How many people in your life you disobeyed God? Amen. So when Jesus comes and he gets the whips and he gets the thorn, it's because he came to cancel that curse. He came to cancel the original curse. Here's what it says in Colossians if you follow with me, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15, it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing of them over them by the cross. Let, let me ask you this. For those of you who, who um, were in that Bible study, we gave that example. If you have a doctor, all right, let's say we have a doctor. And the doctor, he's a surgeon. He's one of the best surgeons that you have, right? Let's say Palm Beach County, uh, best surgeon. And he does surgeries and he saves a thousand lives, right? Brain surgery, heart surgery, whatever the case is. He saves a thousand lives. And then he goes out one night and he gets into an argument with somebody and boom, he shoots him. But nobody sees anything. There's no cameras. He goes... And then after he did that, he continues to, to work and he saves another thousand people. But now they do DNA analysis or whatever, and then they find him. What do you think should happen to him? Should he go free or should he pay consequences for the murder he did? So show of hands, who says he should go free? Let me see your hands. Who says he should go to jail at least? Let me see your hands. All right, so the majority of people here say he should, he should but, 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 but he saved 
a thousand people on one side and another thousand people on the other side, shouldn't he get a pass because he saved so many lives? I think we all know the answer. The answer is no. The answer is no. So imagine if in our human understanding, we understand that a bad deed has to be paid for. In our human, in our flawed human understanding, we understand that a bad deed, it doesn't matter how many good deeds you do, you need to pay for that bad deed. How much more God who is perfect and requires perfection requires that every bad deed be paid for. And so that's why when they ask where, um, you know, sometimes in the world they'll say that every religion leads to God, but that's not true. That's not true because religion is not sufficient for you to pay for your sin. Coming to church is not sufficient for you because all the good, all religion does is giving you good deeds that you could do. But none of the good deeds is going to be enough for the bad deeds. We just use the example of the doctor, right? He saved 10,000 lives, but the one bad deed has to be paid for. And religion doesn't provide a way for that to be paid for. And so that's why the Bible says there is no other name that was given under the sun by which we shall be saved. Because guess what? Nobody else died for our sin but Jesus Christ. Nobody else died for our sins. So you can follow this religion or that religion. But the only question I have is for your bad deeds, who's paying? Who's paying for your bad deeds? Because if you pay, you're always going to come short. You're always going to come short. Because good deeds don't outweigh bad deeds. Jesus is the only one that lived the perfect life. So that's why his sacrifice can match the weight. Because he's perfect. And that's why he went through what he went through. Because he was paying our debt. And it's what a lot of theologians call the great exchange. And that great exchange is, I bring to him my sins. I bring to him my sorrows. I bring to him my suffering. And he gives me his righteousness. He gives me his joy. He gives me his peace. You know, there was three crosses when Jesus got crucified. And you had the two bad guys, right? And in the middle, I, I, I tend to think that that spot was for Barabbas, right? Barabbas, the guy in the beginning, the, the, the murderer and the, the, uh, the upriser, that was his spot on that cross. But when the people said, no, 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 give us Barabbas, then Jesus took that place on that cross. But that's what he did for us. Because instead of Barabbas, it should have been David. Instead of Barabbas, it should have been Wayne. It should have been that should have been us on that cross. But Jesus took that spot, and that's the great exchange. It's us bringing Him our sin, our sorrows, our suffering, and it's Him giving us His peace, His love, His joy. And my challenge for those of you who are here and those of you who are online, maybe that don't know Jesus, is to receive Him. Is to receive him as your Lord and Savior today. And you don't need a ceremony. You don't need, a, you just need to make a decision in your heart saying, okay, you know what? Yes, I've, did, I've committed sins. I committed, I did this and that and this and that, and that was bad. And I understand that the right, the right punishment for my sin is death. That's what we deserve. 
That's what we deserve. Because God is perfect. God is, God is perfect. We're, our justice system is imperfect, but God's justice system is perfect. But I also know that Jesus came and he, though he was innocent, he got convicted as a guilty man. And because he got convicted, God, now I bring to you my sin and you give me your righteousness. And that's a great exchange. You can't, you can't, you can't. It's kind of like, I don't know if you, anybody buy on Amazon? Anybody buy on Amazon? So on Amazon now you have um, certain cards when you buy with those cards, you get rewards. You get rewards, and, and so when you spend a lot, eventually those rewards, they get, they, get, um, they get big. And it's actually cash in the sense that when you buy on Amazon, I don't know if you guys have that in your setup, but if you apply then the reward, you could get what you're buying for free. That ever happened to anybody? You guys need to change cards. You need a better card. But guess what? If you don't apply it, you pay the full price. And it's the same thing for salvation. Salvation is free. Salvation, but you have to apply it. You last, last week I showed the empty slide, right? The empty slide showing that there is no sin that is held against you because if you're in Jesus, there's no sin that is held against you. But guess what? That that empty slide only works if you have the blood of Christ. The empty slide only works if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, it's still red. It's still full of sin. It's still full. Coming to church is not going to do that for you. Uh, um, um, wearing a suit and tie is not going to do that for you. Even trying to be good is not going to do that for you. The only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. Period. And we're not trying to be um, mean or demeaning to other religion. We just don't know how you're paying the bill. We just don't know how you're paying the bill. Jesus Christ paid that bill. He canceled that curse. And so if you're not saved, if you haven't given your life to Christ, you have a critical choice to make. And that's the choice to receive him. That's the choice to receive him. And I'm going to challenge you to do that today. Because you don't know what, what's going to happen tomorrow. Like we say, um, a lot can happen in a week. A lot can happen in one minute. In one minute, a lot. You make a wrong turn on the highway, bang, and, it, and it's, it, your whole life changed. A lot can happen. Another one that had a critical choice was Pilate. Pilate. Pontius Pilate, if we go back to our text in verse 7, he says, The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate had a choice. Now, just to show you, Pilate, if you go into his resume, 
Pilate was a ruthless king. He was um, uh, not king, a governor, right? He was governing that region, and he was he was known to be ruthless. They would these people they kill without they, they don't they, they don't have um, um, they don't take life to be sacred. They kill at a whim, and so Pilate, when he first arrived, when he first got the job, he got into it with the Jewish, because they said that when he got the job. He came into Jerusalem with shields, and the shields had an um, inscription on them that gave glory to the king, Tiberius. And the Jews, in their law, you can't do that. You give glory to God. So they were, they were mad at, at Pilate, and they were going in, and they're starting to do protests, and the protests lasted for five days, until the point that they appealed to Tiberius, which is the king, Himself and Tiberius was furious because Tiberius respected local customs. Tiberius wanted peace in the empire, so he respected local custom. And he told Pilate, You need to take these shields and take him out of there. So Pilate got a black eye in, in front of, of the Jews back then, right? And then so when they come to to Pilate, and they start making threats throughout the text, and they say, oh, um, if you don't kill him, you are an enemy of Caesar. That has to be translated. We're going to talk to your boss. You ever had somebody causes you trouble at work, and then you talk to the boss, or you're calling customer service, and they, yeah, yeah, they can't help you. So, okay, let me talk to your supervisor. Anybody ever talk to the supervisor? So the Jews, they're, they're putting pressure on Pilate, saying, we're going to appeal to the boss. We're going to appeal to the king. But Pilate, he doesn't see anything wrong with Jesus. So now he has a critical choice. And his critical choice is, am I going to stand on principle and not convict an innocent man? Am I going to stand on principle and, and, and let Jesus go? Or am I going to cave to the pressure of, of, of the people? Am I going to cave? Am I going to fear men more than I fear God? And furthermore, in his critical choice, what Matthew says, he says, well, if we, if we go back real quick, he says, verse 7, he says, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be son of God. And then he says, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Why would Pilate be afraid? Is because, or some scholars think it's because Romans, they believed in multiple gods. You know, if you, probably history class, they taught you the, the Greek mythology, and then the Romans, they had their mythology too. Um, and they had Zeus, and the Greek had Zeus, and, and the Romans had Jupiter, Mars, all those um, quote-unquote gods. So when they say Jesus, the son of God, well, those gods, they used to have children, like Hercules. Everybody has heard of Hercules the strong. So, so Pilate would be like, whoa, is this one of them, one of the gods? And so he, that's why he was, whoa. He went, so he went back and asked Jesus, well, Jesus, where did you come from? Right? Like, Because like, that's a weird question at that stage. But he's trying to figure out, am I dealing with a normal man or am I dealing with a supernatural man? Am I dealing with uh, just another John Doe or am I dealing with, with divinity? And, and Matthew gives us even a little bit more insight in, in this where while 
so Matthew 27, verse 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. And the Romans, like a lot of ancient people, they gave a lot of stock to dreams, right? It's kind of like Haitian, right? Your mom ever come to you and say, oh, I'm vision, right? Amen. And so she had a dream, and, 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 but, but they, they were the same. They, they gave a lot of importance to the dream. So now Pilate would have had word from his own wife saying, don't mess with this guy. Don't mess with this guy. And, and, and sometimes when people read the text, they feel like, oh, the text is trying to put guilt on the Jews and not the Romans. But I don't think that's true. I think what the text shows is that both the Jews and the Gentiles were all guilty. Because Jesus came to save both the Jews and the Gentiles. And so, so Pilate now has a choice. He can listen to his wife. He can listen to, 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 that, to that, that dream that she had and say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to touch this guy. He can stand on principle because he knows he's innocent, or he can cave to the pressure. He can cave to men. And that's a choice that we, we, all, have, that we all have to make where we, we have to choose. Are we going to fear God or are we, are we going to fear men? You notice that a lot of the bad decisions that we make, they're because of the fear of men. They're because of... of we fear men more than we fear God. I remember when I got saved, when I got saved, it took me a couple of weeks. Right? When I felt God calling me in my heart saying, Dave, you need to do this. You need to receive Christ. To when I actually did it, it took me a couple of weeks. And the main thought in my mind was, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? What is this guy going to say? What is that guy going to say? But eventually, the pressure on the inside was stronger than the pressure on the outside, and I gave my life to Christ. But guess what? All those people, they're all gone, but Jesus is still here. Amen. All those people, they're all gone, but Jesus is still here. And so we have that critical choice. Are we going to listen more to men, or are we going to listen more to Christ? And so now we have ourselves our critical choice. The, um, the, the, the Hebrews, they said, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. Imagine this, the people of God, right in to take the king of kings and the Lord of lords, they said, we have more king, we have no king. So they, they rather choose the human king than the divine king. But then we have a critical choice ourselves. You see, if you're not saved, your critical choice today in the great exchange is to bring yourself to Christ. Is to bring yourself to Christ. But if you are saved, you also have a critical choice. Because in salvation, the great exchange, salvation is a one and done. But after you get saved, you have to walk in sanctification. And sanctification is an ongoing process, right? And so it's when you come and you give yourself to Christ day after day after day to become more and more and more like him every day. Um, 
in Colossians chapter 3. So we read Colossians chapter 2 where Paul tells us that Jesus came and he canceled the debt. But now in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 11, he says this. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these way in, in the life you once lived, but, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off the, your old with its practices and have put on the new self with his, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. He, here there is no Gentiles or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Pilate's critical choice was whether he would accept Christ or accept the people. And what we see at that moment is that he accepted what the people said. Now, we have a similar choice, and we have that choice every day. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask everybody to raise your hand. Put your hand up like, like, uh, like, a, like a high, like a strong, all right? And I'm going to reread that list. And when you have a sin that relates to what you did after you were saved, then you just put your hand down. All right, so let me see your hands up like, like, a, like young people that you are. So he says, and so when, and you can close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. So I don't want you to, to follow your neighbor, right? Just, just you and God right now. And he says, so when you hear a sin and you know you've committed that sin after you got saved, you can put your hand down. It says, so put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he goes, Sexual immorality. So if you did that, if you ever watch a girl or a guy in a way you're not supposed to, you can put your hand down. Impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. And it says anger. You ever got angry and you weren't supposed to be angry at that point? Rage, malice. You ever thought of something devious to do? Slander. You ever said some, you ever gossiping about somebody else? Now, everybody's hand should go down there. It says, do not lie to each other, right? So if you lied, put your hand down. All right, you're going to open your eyes, look around you. Everybody's hand is down. Because we all did stuff. We all committed sins. But here's what he says. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once live, but now you must also rid yourself of such things as the anger, etc. Do not lie to each other. And then verse 10, and have put on the new self and being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the creator. We have a great exchange. If you're saved, you still got a great exchange where you bring your, your, the best stuff that you do on a daily basis and worship team, you guys can come. Because we're about to close. You, you, you bring the bad things that you used to do. But then you receive from Christ his peace. You receive from Christ. The Bible says 
with our eyes fixed on him, we are transformed in his image day by day. We are transforming his image day by day. That, 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 that walk with Christ is not a one and done. Salvation is one and done. You live your life in the world and you're 99 years old and on your deathbed you receive Christ. You're saved. You're saved. Like, 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 the, like the, um, the thief on the cross. It says, today you will be with me in paradise. But once you get saved, that walk day by day day by day, is you bringing, bringing yourself to him. And as we close in worship, I'm going to ask everybody to take a moment to listen, to, 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 to think it through. The reason we went over some of the physical punishment that Jesus went through is because I want you to know that Jesus understands everything that you're going through. And Jesus understands everything. So if you feel like, okay, you know what, right now it's not going well in my body because I go to the doctors and I'm getting bad news after bad news, Jesus understands because he was hurt in his body. If you feel betrayed because your friend, they, they talk bad about you in, in your back and they, and they abandon you and they, they criticize you, Jesus understands because his friends, they abandon him. We give Peter a bad rap. Because he denied three times. But the others, they left from the mountain. They were gone. They abandoned. He was alone. He didn't have somebody to defend him. He was alone. So if you feel sometimes that you're alone, nobody understands what you're going through. Jesus understands. Because he was alone. And he decided to stand there because he was going to defend us. And now when you're alone, he's the one that's with you. When, when you, people are condemning you for what you did, He's the one defending you because he took it on the cross. Now, when Jesus did that, it wasn't for us to continue sinning, but it was for when we fall. You can go look back to that trial and know that he went through it for me. So I'm going to ask everybody, eyes closed. Actually, you can stand up as we are closing worship. And what I'm going to challenge you right now is to bring it to Christ. Whatever is in your heart, whatever is in a burden. He says, come unto me, all you who have a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Whatever weighs on you, bring it to him as we close in worship. <laughs>